Hey, my name is Blake Davis and I'm the pastor here. I want to thank you so much for tuning in to the Firm Foundation Church podcast. Our desire every single week is that you are challenged and encouraged in your faith. Enjoy the message. Now, I'm honored to be here to speak during this sermon series. I think it's, I think it's incredible to talk about this idea of, of what you're talking about now, uh, the Spirit of God, the person of the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, how, how who He is impacts who we are. And I need, to, I need you to understand, I appreciate Blake's heart because his is a lot like mine in the sense that we don't want to talk about Pentecostalism. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit my wife and I were discipled in a Pentecostal church. Don't get it wrong. There were no snake handling going on and that kind of thing. But what I do love about the pastor who pastored us, who discipled us, is he wanted us to understand first our relationship with Holy Spirit. And he wanted us then to understand how the Holy Spirit in our life worked through us in order to establish the church. And so, even though we were in a Pentecostal church, Pastor Rick, he was very adamant. There is more to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit than just doing the glory run, having a little shout, come on somebody, in a shallow way. We're going to walk in the depth of the gifts of the Spirit. And so, I want to just go to a familiar passage. I love what Pastor Blake said to us last week. He said... And he pointed out exactly what the scripture says. This promise is unto you. You remember that? It's written in your Bible. We don't have any trick Bibles. It's written right there. This promise is unto you. Everybody say me. It's unto you. It's unto me. It's right there. It's declared. And I love how Pastor Blake laid that out for us as he started to say, look, this is not something that is about denominationalism. This is about a promise that God said was unto us. So let's go to Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost Sunday. Let's do that. Let's look at this familiar scripture. And let me just... Let me just Walk us through it here. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. There's the first miracle. Suddenly, they came from, uh, from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all, everybody say all, all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues in the, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so here we go. Let me put this out here. The word Pentecost, man, people get all, oh boy, here they go. They get all worked up. You just hear it. And all kinds of ideas come to all kinds of thoughts, all kinds of uh, points of identity come together. But the word Pentecost designates the 50th day after Passover. It's not difficult. It's a, it's a point and a premise. Now, here's why it's important to you and I. Because it correlates on, the, on a feast. It comes together on a feast called the Feast of Harvest. The day of Pentecost happened 50 days after Passover, which... Just by circumstance, just by dink, just so happened. 
happened, hello somebody, that it happens on the same time that the Feast of Harvest was celebrated. On this day, the Lord poured out his spirit on 120 people uh, and, and the church itself was born in a blaze of glory. I mean, it was incredible. We've been through this. We've heard all kinds of messages about it. But let me just tell you what I believe and what I see and why I feel like God is pushing us as a ministry as a whole. I, th- I think the modern day Western world church is somewhere bogged down between Calvary and Pentecost. You know what Bishop Moffat asked me? Bishop Moffat asked me, what happened to the country that brought us the gospel? He said, is Kenya, is Africa going to have to bring the gospel and the spirit of God back to the United States? And I said, please, please. The modern day Western world church is bogged down somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. I mean, we've got this idea of salvation. We've got this idea of sacrifice. This weekend we celebrate sacrifice. Listen, only two people ever died for your freedom. Jesus and the American soldier. Hello, somebody. Tomorrow's a whole lot more. Come on. Than just a day to barbecue. It's an incredible thought. Listen, we've been to Calvary. We received pardon. We understand that. But we hadn't been to Pentecost to receive power. Bethlehem, Bethlehem, it means God with us. Calvary means God for us. Pentecost means God in us. Bethlehem, come on, Bethlehem, God for or with us. Calvary, you got it? God for us. Pentecost, God in us. They're all right there, and they happen in an order that's incredible. And that's not a dink either. I believe the average Christian is much like the Ephesians. When Paul came to them in Acts chapter 19, and he says many Christians don't understand the Holy Spirit. They've not appropriated the power of the Holy Spirit into their personal life. The problem is the modern day Western church, we're fat on prosperity. We muscle bound through organization. I'm not against those things. Listen, if we're going to do what God has given us a vision as a ministry as a whole to do, we've got to be organized. Hello, somebody. I'm not against it. But what I do know is that we've got to recapture somehow the power of an encounter that the upper room experienced. Do you understand? Listen, see, Pentecostalism loves to talk about an experience. But Pentecost is really about an encounter. And there's a big difference. Because see, an experience can fade from me. I can forget about it. My memory of it, it fades over time. But an encounter is what changes me. You see, you want me to know why you can't talk me out of my salvation? Because I had an encounter with Jesus. 
right? And that, from that day forward, I've never been the same. I had an encounter with the living God, and I had an encounter with Holy Spirit in a sense that, that formed confidence and, and purpose and power in our life. I don't want to live in a day of Pentecostal substitutions. Come on. That lack the power to transform our life. But that's the day we live in. Pentecost substitutions. Programs, propaganda, pep and promotions. Come on, somebody. All the things that just try to duplicate what the Spirit of God did on Pentecost. When the fire fell. We're busy creating the wind of our own. Come on. Try to whip our own flames and we wonder why there's no warmth in it. It's an indictment. My heart, and I hope your heart, I hope this church's heart, I hope our whole ministry's heart is hungry for what God has for us. What God has for us. Man, just before church, Adam and I were talking about dreams that we had years ago. Right? That are just now coming to fruition. And there were, Adam, there were plenty of people, he knows, that made fun of me for those dreams back then. But you can't give up on it. You gotta say, I know what God has spoke to me and what the spirit of God is inspired inside, burning inside of me. But see, the problem is, we're so afraid to go out on a limb that we never even climbed a tree. That's just kind of a country boy phrase that some of you get a little bit later. I get it. Through the years, there's been abuse. Come on. There's been emphasis put on things the scripture never put emphasis on. And that makes us afraid of this excess. That makes us afraid of those extremes. The problem is, we as a people, we always go to extremes. It's either one way or the other, right? And we, and we lose sight of the, of, the, of the vision. I just had to pull our leadership home team back home to, in, in my office together here a few weeks ago and say, listen, listen, let's don't lose sight of the vision because the picture we drew at the beginning is different now. Who cares what it looks like? Let's don't drop the vision. What's the vi- what was the vision? The vision was to create an atmosphere, to create some place for young people to come and experience God and be discipled. Who cares what it looks like? We're so lost in a picture that now we're paralyzed to purpose. And everybody was just like, okay, you're right. I said, I know I'm right. <laughs> anyway. And so guess what? Just because the picture got redrawn doesn't mean we failed. It actually means we've succeeded. And I love, because that's what the Spirit of God is doing for us. I don't want to be afraid, so afraid of excess or so afraid of extremes that it scares me away from the real, the reality of the Spirit of God. I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I, I mean, I want all that God has for us as a ministry, as churches. 
So today, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna talk a minute, just a little bit. Pastor Pastor Blake has done an amazing. I listened. It was an amazing laying a foundation for this thought process. Pentecost is not denomination. It's an encounter I believe that every blood-bought, born-again child of God should receive. How that plays out in each person's life is so incredibly unique to God. And I think you and I are privileged to live in a time where I feel like God is again pouring His Spirit out in special ways on us. Those who are ready to receive, I'm seeing new and unique expressions of God pouring it out. The rain of the Holy Spirit falling on dry ground, religious ground, refreshing who we are. I I was just talking, just talking one day. I said, I would love to plant a church out with 20-year-olds. 20 to 25-year-olds. A whole church full of them. And someone said, that'll be a mess. I said, why? Why? Are we going to walk with them? Aren't we going to help them? Are we going to support them? Wouldn't that be incredible? Let's just do it. Who cares about... I don't want to be afraid of what God is doing in young people at the moment. Can I say this to us? Listen to this. It's not a kawinky dink that Pentecost happens on the Feast of Harvest. Because harvest is at the heart of Pentecost, not emotionalism. You see, what we've done is we've taken the gift of God and used it for self instead of really looked at what God was doing when he did what he did. During the Feast of Harvest, God pours out His Spirit. Harvest is at the heart of Pentecost. There's the promise right there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 39. Watch this. It's incredible. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter rose the rest of the apostles. Brothers, what shall we do? And when Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is about harvest. It's right there. It's so obvious sometimes that we just miss it. It's for those who've truly repented, for those who found remission of sin in the blood, right? The real question is whether, as Christians, you know, we have, we have owned the right to receive this. Have we been filled with the Spirit? And what's happened is many of us have allowed religion and the devil and traditions to rob us of the power of God in this moment over this issue, this gift. And and I get it, like religious traditions, and this is my pond as a Pentecostal. I can croak in it if I want to. It's my pond. Tradition says the gift of the Holy Spirit was for the apostles only. 
Just so the church could get started for the early church, just to help them win pagans and heathens to Christ. Look, there are more lost people today than there's ever been. We need the Holy Spirit or this this point of harvest more than we ever needed it. If that wasn't so, you tell me why there is an opportunity for us to buy a closed down church. Hello, somebody. If it wasn't so, why are churches closing? Just before we found this building, Blake and I were talking, and I told Blake, I was like, man, God, I feel like God spoke to me and said, drive around, found empty, closed down churches and buy them. And all of a sudden, Blake's on the phone. He's like, hey, uh, guess, guess what? <laughs> we were driving around last week, and guess what? Hello, somebody. I was like, that, ch- that church is for sale? And they were like, oh, yeah. And you could see the eyes of every one of my elders at home. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, what's the problem? We haven't appropriated the gift. When we do, the harvest, it's not about how hard it is. It's all what Jesus said. He said, pray for the harvest. Not because the harvest is difficult. He said the harvest is plentiful. We need labors. Pentecost is about harvest. The outspouring of the the spirit on a a few special people for just a few special age. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Peter said the promise is unto you. Pastor Blake pointed that out to you last week. The promise is unto you. That's the thought throughout all the ages that it's not just for somebody who lived in the past. It's for me. There's an encounter after salvation with the Holy Spirit. Now all people who get saved, listen to me, have the Holy Spirit. When someone gets saved, the Holy Spirit puts them into the body of Christ. But I love, there's a professor at Baylor University. For many of you don't know that Baylor is supposed to be a a Christian college that trains pastors. Hello, it's not so much that way anymore. Here's what the professor said. He said, there's an experience and encounter subsequent to salvation. It's called the baptism with the Holy Ghost with an endowment from power from on high. And here's what he told his students. Don't you dare go out and preach without it. Dr. R.A. Torrey, who was a famous Bible teacher who who led D.L. Moody's church in Chicago. Anybody ever been over there and, and seen the church? It's right downtown and my wife and I walked around. It's incredible. What happened? D.L. Moody, um, he wanted to preach so bad and, and his pastor didn't think he was a good enough preacher. So he was like, well, you can't preach, but you can lead a Sunday school class. And the Sunday school class in the basement of the church got bigger than the actual church itself. 
D.L. Moody is an incredible leader, teacher of the scripture. And so the church is there, the Bible college is there. And so one of the, one of the men that actually led and pastored this church and the Bible college there, here, here's what he said. His name is Dr. R.A. Torrey. He said, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, not, not the work of the Spirit at conversion. He said, the, whole, the filling of the Spirit, the, the baptism of the Spirit for every child of God, for every age in church history. If it's not ours, it's because we haven't taken what God has provided for us. It was a promise. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh, men, women, young and old. When it happened, the crowd was amazed. Read in your scripture at the miracles that were taking place that day. They said, what's going on here? And Peter said, we're not drunk. Hello, somebody. It's It's too early. Nobody started drinking yet. We're not drunk as you suppose. They were like, what is going on here? We even hear people speaking in our own languages. What is happening here? It was hilarious. Dr. Brick Cliff, who's president of Nation Nation Bible College, he lived in Tanzania for 12 years as a missionary and, and led a church there and those things. And so he speaks Swahili fluent Swahili and he's a white man and, and so here here the two of us are in Kenya um, and they speak Swahili there also and um, listen there ain't no place for us to hide hello somebody but that was celebrated there do you understand that it's not the same attitude that's here that was celebrated there and 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 Dr. Cliff on purpose, we'd be walking around the town of Nairobi there. And he would just start speaking Swahili to a, a, a person there. And their mind would be blown. Mazungu is what they call a white man. That's, it's not derogatory. And I heard this one, one girl, she was so shocked, she looked over at her friend and she said, that Mazungu speaks Swahili. It was unbelievable, right? Like that language was incredible. And someone would say, wow, how did... In Acts, they were saying, we heard them speak in our language, just like she was amazed. But on that day, those guys had not spent, come on somebody, 12 years learning a language. God doing it supernatural. He was doing something that was incredible, right? Who makes this promise to us? Who makes it, church? Not the pastors, not denominationalism, not ideologies or doctrines or those things. No, it's the Father God himself. It's a promise unto you. In Luke chapter 24, listen to this, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus is speaking, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you endue, you're endued with power from on high. Jesus said, I'm sending the promise of the Father on you. Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? You see, that's why I believe firmly that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is a definite and distinct encounter and experience. And you'll know. You see, I've seen, in my years, I've seen a lot of people run the pews. Come on, somebody. I've seen a lot of people do the glory run on Sunday. Hello, somebody. And then run with the devil on Monday. 
Come on, somebody. And I appreciate the depth of the person of the Holy Spirit, especially the gifts my pastor gave us. There's a distinct difference. Let me show, let me show you. you may, let me show you somebody I'm positive is filled with the Spirit of God. Show me someone who's witnessing. Someone who's living for Christ. Someone who's making a difference in their community. Someone who's unafraid to share Jesus with everybody. You can show me a lot of tongue talkers and a lot of glory runners. Come on, somebody. I'm not against it. Man, if God moves on you, go. A little glory run don't hurt nobody. That's not the depth of Holy Spirit in your life. That's not the full expression of Holy Spirit. The promise is fulfilled in the fact that 10 days after Jesus ascends into heaven, the promise comes. Those faithful, obedient people in that upper room, do you know when they went up in that upper room, they didn't like each other? Just read the, just read the Bible. A few of them had just got done arguing on who was going to get to sit on the right hand or the left hand of Jesus. They were fighting over position. They they were struggling with with their their own fleshly power. They they didn't even like each other. And you know what Jesus says? I want you to go sit in a room for 10 days and stare at each other till you get over it. My grandma used to, we would be fighting as cousins. My grandma would turn two chairs around. We'd have to touch knees and look each other in the eye till we got over it. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know what it does? It starts out, you're making faces at each other. You're still mad at one another. She didn't care. You ain't leaving till you get that right. How long you want to sit there? How long you want to sit there? And I bet, I can't prove it to you in the scripture, but I just know I bet in that 10 days, relationally, they connected in ways. Come on. You know what? That wasn't worth it. That cost us something. What, what's really the vision? Who are we? What did Christ call us to? And man, I bet once that happened, boy, when God filled that room, it had much more to do than an experience. Relationally, they encountered God in a new way. That's why unity in church is so important. Don't get lost in a picture and forget the vision. Don't get lost in opinions and ideas and agendas. Do you know how many times I've stood up in front of our church and said, this is what the elders have decided the church is doing, and I was the only one in the room and said, I don't want to do that. Ask my wife a bunch. Why? Because I love unity more than I love my agenda. And I trust who we are together, that God can lead us together. And no one will ever know that I was the one who dissented on that. And I'm the one in front of the church saying, this is what we're doing. I said my piece and I trusted the Holy Spirit to lead us as a team. Boom, and God's always honored that. Why? Because God honors the, the, the desire of unity. That's when the expression of the Holy Spirit moves in its greatest power. Peter's sermon, you know what it declared? This is it. This is it. This is it. 
This is what we've been waiting for. This is what was promised to us. He says, this is it. And Acts, Mary, mother of Jesus. The disciples, the women, brethren, they, they're experiencing this promise. And you know what Acts chapter 8? There was a deacon, a deacon who preached a sermon. Come on, and revival happened. A deacon preached a message and revival happened in Acts chapter 8. And later on, the apostles laid hands on those people and they received the Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, guess what? Paul of, or Saul of Tarsus gets saved. He gets saved. He gets born again. And three days later, Ananias lays his hands on him and he, re- he receives the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 10, that same changed man, because he encountered the Spirit of God, is at Cornelius' house. Peter's there, I'm sorry. And preaching to Cornelius. And the Bible says, when, when the Holy Ghost fell on all of them, he heard the word, the Gentiles also. It's Acts chapter 19 that Paul found certain disciples in Ephesus and said what? Have you heard about the, do you know about the person of the Holy Spirit? And they were like, the baptism? And they were like, what? We know about John's baptism. Yeah. So Paul lays hands on them and they're filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you something from Foundation Church, Paul Paul. Pentecost, Pentecost for you and I, it has a purpose. There's a purpose for our encounter. Watch this. harvest you are here to win this community you are here to win this community you are here to win this community 20 years ago 20 years ago can you believe that this June 30th we drove into Sturgis Michigan 20 years ago They told us, you can't build a church in Centerville, Michigan. There are not enough people there. That's what they told us. There's only 1,200 people in Centerville, Michigan. It's 1.5 miles square. Y'all know that place? Wouldn't even be there if it wasn't for the county fair, the courthouse. God had given us a word. And in a town of, of 1,200, right now our pastoral team is taking care of close to 700 people. Listen to me. Go win the city. Go win the city. Go win the city. It's a purpose. It's called harvest. What do we do? We go check. We go win the city. We go love on people. We take Pentecost and encounter the Spirit of God and we take that gift into the community. Joel chapter 2 says, Be glad. Be glad. And rejoice in the Lord your God for he has given you the former rain faithfully and he'll cause the rain to come down on you, the former rain and the latter rain. Can I say this? Two things are necessary. We're in a farming community. You gotta have rain. You gotta have you gotta have the early rain to prepare the soil for seed. And you gotta have the latter rain to mature what you planted. Do 
Chapter 3, verse 9, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Let the heathen be awakened. Put ye the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down, for the press is full. Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. Church, listen, it's time to reap a harvest. We're not waiting for the harvest. It's time to reap a harvest right here where we live. There are, there are, listen, the woods is full of lost people. Go get you one. I'm not an evangelist. I'm a pastor. Oh man, I can win the lost. We just had David McFarlane at the church last week. He's an incredible evangelist with a Billy Graham. I mean, this guy, right? Like he's just an evangelist. Super, and it just wins people. It just walks in the room and people are just like, I want to get saved. Glenn Middleton, the same way. It's a supernatural gift of evangelism. I'd go to lunch with Glenn Middleton and the waitress would come up to the, and she'd take our drink order and Glenn would say, I'm going to win her to the Lord before we end lunch. And I'd be like, I, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. And he said, I'll bet you lunch I can. Do you know how many times I had to pay for lunch? I'm thinking, today I'm getting a free lunch. Now she's over there weeping, crying, and giving her heart to the Lord. I've never seen a gift like that. It's incredibly supernatural. Me, it takes me six months of relationship to lead someone to Christ. But I can win them. You can win them. I'm not locked up in the way Glenn does it or the way McFarland does it. I can win the lost. If it takes me six months, I can target one. Come on, somebody. Listen, I'm a hunter. I got cameras. I target one. That's mine. He don't even know it yet. And when I sit in that tree and it's cold, and all those that walk in front of me, I'm like, no, 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 no. I got one targeted. Little Callie, uh, Brian and Malin's little girl, she was with me on opening day one day, and all these bucks were walking in front of me. She's like, we're going to get that one, Poppy. We're going to get that one. I was like, no, 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 we're not going to get that one. We're going to let that one go. We watched some bucks fight and all those things. And she's like, oh, we're going to get those. Or we're gonna? I was like, no, no, I got one targeted. I got one targeted. That's the one I'm after. And I'm not going to get lost in the fact of all the other ones. See, that's the way my evangelism works. Maybe yours is not like that. Maybe you're just the person who's like Glenn in the elevator. Somebody walks in, you're like, do you want to get saved? Yeah, what is it? I don't know. Like, it's not me. But the harvest is mine. Come on. I'm full of the Spirit. God's not giving us the Holy Spirit to enjoy alone while the rest of the world rushes into hell. There's no time left. What are we waiting for? I'm going to say this to us, church. We don't need a new Pentecost. We need to appropriate the one that was given to us. I'm glad that God is pouring out the power of Pentecost on us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, right? It's an incredible scripture. You probably know it by heart. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria. What did God say was the evidence that you're filled with the Spirit? The power to be his witness. There it is. Modern day church, for the most part though, what are we doing? We lost our power. 
And most denominations are nothing more than social clubs, and I love being social. I'm a pastor. My wife, she says, man, you just got to lick, you're like a puppy. You just got to lick everybody in the room. I'm a pastor. You just got to lick everybody. You go one to one to one to one to one. We were, in the, we were in the store one day, somebody came up to me and they were like, hey, Pastor Don, how are you? And we talked for a few minutes and she walked away, they walked away and, and my wife's like, who is that? I said, I don't know, I probably licked him at one time. I don't know, probably just slobbered on him. I just, I don't know. But I don't want to be like Samson and not know it if the Spirit of God has left me. I don't have a form of religion with no power. I don't want to be Samson who lays his head in Delilah's lap and loses his power and has to live a defeated life. I don't want to, I don't want to be like this guy who's blind and bound and, and grinding in circles. But see, religion will rob us and it'll leave us blind to the things of the devil, living in some Mickey Mouse religion. Grinding in circles. What are we doing? What are we doing? I have no idea. We're just doing something. It's a new day of restoration. Can you say amen? It's a new day of restoration. And God is raising up some churches that are, that are ready to embrace the fullness of his gift unto us. That whatever that looks like in my life and your life, who cares? Everything should be done in order of scripture. Everybody say amen. The scripture lays it out. Let me leave you with this. I'm, I'm going I'm to just, I'm going I'm to quit with these things. Three powers for Pentecost. Worship. Worship. Come on. The chief aim of man is to worship God. Can you say amen? But the devil's, he's deceived us concerning worship. Like we just go to church, we sit in a cold pew and maybe we whisper the words of worship and we listen to, you know, a 15 minute, well, 20 minute, maybe a 45 minute message that is not, hello somebody. There's no relevance to our life. That's my challenge to every one of our guys who are preaching and teaching the word of God at our church. Every message you bring must be a message where the gospel of Jesus Christ is proven relevant in our life. 100%. We're not interested in these little canned homilies, right? That leave us with nothing where we have to fight to stay awake and we still call it worship. Real worship demands participation. The Holy Spirit will help us move into a place where our soul is touched by God. That's moving us into that space. And maybe you don't worship like me. I don't care. I can freak people out a little bit. I don't care. They shouldn't be looking at me anyway. The next thing is the warning power. The Holy Spirit is what gives us the courage to warn people of the danger of dying without Jesus. How in the world can people claim to love God and not care for the lost people around them? 
You know, I'm tell you why I love the church? Because Jesus loved the church. How can I love Jesus and not love what he loves? Come on, somebody. He loved the church, the local church. He loved the local church. I love the local church. It's the greatest change agent in any community, the local church. It's there for the longevity. It's there for, for, for the harvest. It's there for stability. And I, I just believe there's a warning power when we're filled with the Spirit. There's a drive inside of us to point people to Christ, to get them set free. Listen, if your neighbor's house was on fire, there's no way you would just sit there and go, well, Lord, wake them up before they die. Of course you wouldn't do that. You'd go warn them. Get out. You're in danger. Come on. Come to safety. Do you believe that your church is a safe place for people in the community? You see, I do. And believe it or not, people are looking for safe places in this, in this world. They're looking for safe places for their family. They're looking for safe places for their children. They're looking for safe places. They're looking for a safe community that embrace them and help them grow and walk in some things. Listen, it's the same way. Out of respect for Christ who died for them, the, the loss, right? Like we should be right there warning them. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It gives me courage as a pastor to be evangelistic. I'm going to be honest with you. If you listen to my sermons, 95% of the sermons I've preached are aimed towards believers to teach us how to walk with Christ. Why? I'm a pastor. 95% of the sermons that Glenn Middleton's preach are going to end with, you need to get saved. That's the way it works. We were talking about uh, uh, Doug, one of our elders at church is preaching today, and, and Doug, Doug, man, he loves the end times. He loves to tell people that here we are, the end times and those type of things, and no matter where Doug starts, he's always going to end with living in the last days. And Lisa said, what's Doug preaching on today? I said, what's Pentecost Sunday? She says, man, I wonder how he's going to put that into end times. That's just a gift, isn't it? And we operate in that. It's all of us uniquely using who we are to witness. The last one is just that. You will be my witnesses. Witnessing power. Come on. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I almost did. But it's intimidating sometimes to share Christ. Because we're, we're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid that people will think we're crazy. But instead of being weak and scared and, and, and not standing up for Christ, I've found that the Holy Spirit takes the chicken out of my life. The power of the Holy Spirit gives us boldness, confidence, and courage. Your pastor just laid a foundation for you last week in this area. The gift is unto you. Jesus is God's special gift to the world for the sinner. Somebody say amen. The Holy Spirit is God's special gift for the believer. Boom. 
It's right there. If Jesus is for the world, for God so loved the world, he gave Jesus, then God so loved believers, he gave the Holy Spirit. That's so good. Receiving Jesus as a church, as people, is incredible. But receiving the Holy Spirit is when we begin to walk in unity and power to do what God has called this church to do. And this church's vision is not unseparated. It's unique, but it's not separated from the vision of the whole. It's carried out in a unique way, which it should be. Because of who you are, who your leadership is, what they're encouraging you to do. My question is, have we appropriated the promise? Have you experienced Pentecost, which is primarily giving you the power and the gifts for the hardest? Come on. And so if you receive the gift of tongues, your pastor will help you walk through that biblically what it looks like. Right? we got an elder at our church who's prayed for that gift for years. His wife has it, but he does not. And for a while, he lived in condemnation. And I had to walk him through this. I was like, read the scripture. It's a gift, but it specifically says that maybe it's not for everyone. God still hears your prayer because I see him. Honor who you are. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit expressed through you, though, wisdom. He's an incredible man of wisdom. And so I I don't want to shoehorn anybody into a particular direction. I want to give us all freedom to celebrate what Holy Spirit is doing in each one of our lives and allow that to be unique in our churches. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Peter said what? Your pastor proved it to you. This promise is unto you. And I pray that as a ministry, we are never satisfied until we receive the promise. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Pastor Blake. Thanks for tuning in. If what you heard today was inspirational or transformative, tell us about it. We love your feedback. For more information on how you can get connected, check us out at firmfoundation.church.